the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we're there in Luke, chapter number 21. And of course, we've been making our way through the Gospel of Luke in our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of Luke, and we've been calling it our journey with Jesus. And uh, we find ourselves in Luke chapter 21 this morning. And this morning, we're going to just focus in on a very well-known story here in the first part of the chapter, just the first four verses. And it is the story normally... Uh, referred to as the widow's might. And in Luke 21 and verse 1, the Bible says, And he, this is of course Jesus, looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in hither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her punery hath cast in all the living that she had. And of course, this is a very well-known story. This is a story that's often referenced uh, in Scripture. And what we have is the Lord Jesus Christ uh, really just watching as people are giving. We see there in verse 1, the Bible says, and he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts. And the way that the Bible seems to indicate that they would receive their offerings in the synagogues. It's different than maybe how you're used to us having received the offering here at church. We receive an offering. We have ushers come forward and uh, take the plates and pass them around so that people can give. But in this context, what they would do is that they would have a box or an area where somebody could maybe as they were on their way out of the building drop off an offering. Of course, in those days, they did not have cash. They did not have checks. So the offerings would be given in coins. And as people would drop off these offerings, it would be very apparent who was giving a lot and who was not giving a lot by the sound that these coins would make as they were dropped off. And it was a very visual thing and a very uh, uh, formal thing. And here we have Jesus looking and watching as he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and then he also saw this poor widow. And Jesus uses this, uh, this opportunity to teach and to highlight some things regarding the philosophy or the teaching, the biblical doctrine of giving. And this morning, I'm going to preach to you, of course, from the story about the widow's mite, and I'm going to be speaking on the subject of giving. And let me just say this, for those of you that are part of our church, you know this, but maybe if you're newer to our church or if you're a first-time guest, you don't know this, uh, preaching on giving is not something that I do a lot of. And if you're here for the first time, you think, oh, I came to church, and of course, the pastor's preaching on giving. You just happen to be here. We've literally been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Gospel of Luke for over a year. And you just happen to come at Luke 21 when we're here with the widow's uh, might. So it's not something I normally preach on, but it's not something that I shy away from either because it's in the Word of God. The Bible teaches it, and, and if Jesus took the time to teach on it, then he must want us to learn about it. So I want you to notice this, a few things in regards to giving regarding this poor widow and the widow's might. And what I'd like to do this morning is give you three thoughts regarding giving from the story of this uh, poor widow. And when you read the story and you look again at verse 1, the Bible says that he looked up and saw the rich men. And when you consider that he is sitting there watching, I think Jesus is interesting. He's just standing there. The Bible seems to indicate. We, we get more details in another gospel. We'll look at it in a little bit. He's just sitting there watching people as they're putting money in the offering. And you might think, well, that was uh, rude or, or that's not something that should be done. And, and may, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. It's hard to know all of the customs and, and context of the first century world. But I know this, that he's the Lord. He's God. It's his house and it's his offering. And he is watching as people are giving, and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And, and when you read that, that's something you would expect. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you expect that if a special offering is being taken or if an offering is being taken, that rich men would be casting their gifts into the treasury? But in verse 2, we read that he also saw a certain poor widow. And of course, a widow is a woman whose husband has passed, whose husband has died. 
And in our context, when we think of the word widow, we might think of an older uh, lady who is uh, lonely and maybe her husband has passed. And that's true of a widow in the first century. But in the first century, if you would have heard of a widow, you would have thought someone who's poor. In fact, Jesus highlights that by saying a poor widow. And of course, we know that in the first century, the way that these women were protected and provided for was by their husband. So if a woman found herself and her husband had passed, oftentimes she found herself unprotected and unprovided for if there were no children or grandchildren to step in and help. And this widow, we're not given a lot of details, but it seems as though she's all alone because she's not only a widow, she is poor. She doesn't have much. And she walks up to this location to give right with the rich men, and she cast in, the Bible says, casting in hither two mites. And when you read that, you almost want to ask the question, why? Why are you doing this? You know, nobody, if there's anybody that would be maybe expected not to give, you would think it would be this poor widow. But this highlights for us the first thing that I want you to learn, I want us to learn, I think that Jesus wants us to learn, the reason he gave us a story, and it is this. And if you're taking notes, maybe you can jot this down. Here's the first observation or the first point that I'd like you to notice, and it is this. The poor widow had a right obligation to give. The poor widow had a right obligation to give. You and I would think that if anybody would be excluded, if anybody would be uh, encouraged to not get in line, Don't worry about it. We don't expect you to give. We know you're poor. We know you're a widow. Let the rich men give, and don't you worry about it. If anybody would have been acceptable to maybe go out the back door, skip the main entrance, and not put money in the offering plate while everybody was watching, it would have been this poor widow. But this poor widow had an obligation internally. Nobody was forcing her. She had an obligation to give. She wanted to give. And I want to highlight for you that she had the right obligation to give. It was right of her to participate in the giving and in the offerings of the Lord's work. Now you're there in Luke chapter 21. Keep your place there. That's our text for this morning. We'll go with me if you would to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians, you're there in Luke. If you go past the book of John, past the book of Acts, past the book of Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. I'd like you to notice that the poor widow had a right obligation to give. As we walk through this text this morning and as we highlight some things, I want you to to notice some things that I believe this poor widow understood. Some things this poor widow understood about giving and some things this poor widow understood about generosity. And one is this, the poor widow understood that being poor did not excuse her from participating in giving. She understood that being poor was not an excuse to say, I don't need to participate. In fact, the fact that she got up there right along with and right behind the rich men, and Jesus says that he looked up and he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury, and then when they got done, he saw, the Bible says, and he saw also a certain poor widow casting in hither two mites, tells us that this lady had a right obligation, a righteous obligation to give in her mind. She understood, yes, I'm poor, and yes, I'm a widow, but being poor and being a widow uh, does not excuse me from participating in giving. Are you there in 2 Corinthians 8? Look at verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 8. One. If there's any poor widows out there, I'd appreciate an amen every once in a while because some of these other guys aren't going to do it. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 1. I'm just kidding, of course. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. Notice that little phrase there, to wit. The word wit means to know or become aware of. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, 2 Corinthians 8.1. He says, moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. He said, I, I want you to know, I want you to become aware of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, the churches of Macedonia, we're going to see here in verse 2, were poor churches. In fact, notice there, 2 Corinthians 8, 2, he says how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy. And I, and, and I want you to notice this. These were poor people, but they were joyful people. 
Notice that money does not always produce joy. Resources do not always produce contentment. Here we're told that in a great trial of affliction, though they were going through a trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and notice this wording, and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Now, I just want you to notice these words. Poverty. Poverty means being poor, being broke, not having much. Notice this word at the end of verse 2. Liberality. The word liberality it, the word that you and I would use today in our modern vernacular would be generosity. When you see the word liberality there, it is a reference to their generosity. Today we have uh, politically people who call themselves liberal or, or known as liberals. And the problem with the liberals of today is not that they're generous, is that they're generous with other people's money. And, but, but in the Bible, when somebody is liberal or has liberality, if they're doing it with their own money, out of their own heart, with their own accord, then that's a positive thing. And here the Bible says how that in a great trial of afflictions, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto riches of their liberality. Here's what, the, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, he's talking to the church in Corinth, about the churches in Macedonia. The church in Corinth is a church that's doing well financially. Churches in Macedonia are not doing well. And he says, let me tell you about the churches in Macedonia. Let me do you to wit, he says, and may make you aware of the churches that though they had a great trial of affliction, they also had an abundance of joy. And out of that trial of afflictions and abundance of joy and out of their deep poverty, their deep poorness, their deep brokenness, they somehow manage, he says, they abounded unto the riches of their liberality. He said they manage to be generous. What is it that Paul is saying? Paul is saying this, that poor people can still be generous people. And the poor widow that we read about here in Luke understood that being poor did not excuse her from participating in giving. Do me a favor, keep your place there in 2 Corinthians. We're going to come back to it. You have your place in Luke and 2 Corinthians. And go with me to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, Proverbs chapter number 3. If you open your Bible just right in the center, you'll more than likely fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 3. Here's the point. And I think this is what Jesus is highlighting, really. That if this poor widow can give, if this poor widow... Living in the first century, so what does that mean? It means there's no welfare. That means there's no retirement plans. That means there's no 401ks. That means there, there, there's no pension plans. If this poor widow, who was a female, which would, in the first century, a world where uh, might means right, and where often what's done is done because people make it happen and are stronger than others, a woman who the Bible calls a weaker vessel, probably elderly, left alone in this world, poor widow. And what Jesus is highlighting is this. If she can give, then the application for you and I is this. You and I can give. Amen. You say, well, I'm poor. Probably not as poor as this woman. I'm weak. Probably not as weak as this woman. I'm disadvantaged. You probably were not as disadvantaged as this poor widow, but Jesus highlights this poor widow because this poor widow understood that though she was poor and hopeless and helpless, this did not excuse her from participating in giving. You and I often will create these thoughts and we'll have these, we'll do these mental calculations to uh, dismiss why it is that we cannot and we should not and it's not responsible to. But the truth is this, if she could give, so can we. Amen. Proverbs 3 and verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And, and by the way, let me just say this. What you're going to see here in a minute that the context of Proverbs 3 and verse 5, because these are verses that are read a lot, quoted a lot. The context has to do with giving. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Notice these words. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Amen. Don't lean on your own understanding. Say, so, well, the way I see things, the way I understand things, forget about that. Forget about how you see things and just worry about how God sees things. Worry about what the Bible says and do that. Amen. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Notice, in all. 
in all. So even in, in our finances? Yes, even in our finances. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise. Notice he says it again. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Here's what he's saying. Stop thinking. Stop thinking about it. Stop rationalizing. Stop trying to make all these plans. He says, lean not unto thine own understanding. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Those are the context. Verse 9, honor the Lord with thy substance. The word substance has to do or means goods or money or finances. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits. That term first fruits literally means tithes. With the tithes of all thine increase. So what is it that this poor widow understood? She understood that though she was poor, that being poor did not excuse her from participating in giving. Go, go to Mar, uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter number 6. If you kept your place in Luke, if you go backwards, you have the book of Mark and then the book of Matthew, or it's the first book in the New Testament. It should be fairly easy to find. Matthew chapter 6. Not only did the poor widow understand that being poor did not excuse her from participating in giving. I also believe that this poor widow understood that we must all put God first, no matter how poor you are, including financially, even if we're poor, or even if you think you're poor, or even if you consider yourself poor. I want you to notice how consistent the Bible is, because we just saw in Proverbs a passage on giving, and before the, the, the Proverbs got to honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, he says, lean not unto thine own understanding, be not wise in thine own eyes. In Matthew 6, Jesus is teaching on giving, and here's what he says, Matthew 6, 31, therefore, take no thought. <laughs> you say, what does that mean? That means, lean not unto thine own understanding. That means, be not wise in thine own eyes. That means exactly what it means. Take no thought. Stop thinking. You're not good at it. Just stop it. Just, just do what God tells you to do. By the way, that's just a great rule of life. You want to be successful in life, just do what God tells you to do. You say, well, it doesn't seem right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't go with what. It doesn't matter. Just do what God said. It'll be fine. Therefore, take no thought, he says. Saying, now notice the context. What are they taking thought about? What are they concerned about? What are they worried about? What we shall eat. Or what, we shall, what, uh, what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? He says, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Notice what he says, verse 33, But seek ye first. But seek ye first. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God. And his righteousness, notice, and all these things. And all what things? What ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, wherewithal shall ye be clothed. All these things shall be added unto you. And then, just for emphasis, he says it again, verse 34. Take therefore no thought. He says, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, when it comes to giving, we can take a lesson from this poor widow and realize that being poor does not excuse us from participating in giving. And we must all, no matter how poor you are, we must all put God first, including in our finances. In fact, when we have that great verse, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, it's within the context of giving. When we have the great verse, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding, it's within the context of giving. You say, why does God talk about giving in such a way? I, I think he does it for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's really easy for us to understand the concept of giving. Also because Jesus says that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I think God understands that if you can get your wallet, you can get your heart. So he says, just stop thinking. Realize that you have an obligation spiritually to participate in giving. And this poor widow had a right obligation. Though you and I would have excused her. You and I would have said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. You don't have to participate. You don't have to give. Let these rich men give. They've got their health. They've got their wealth. They've got everything. This poor widow said, no, I'm going to participate. I'm going to give. Go back to Luke chapter 21. So I said, number one, the poor widow had a right obligation 
to giving. But number two, I'd like you to notice, and I'd like you to write this down and just notice this because the second point kind of balances out the first point, and it is this. The poor widow had a right obligation to giving. That's observation number one. Observation number two is that the poor widow had a right objective in giving. So what do you mean by that? Well, an, an objective is a goal. It's something towards which effort is directed. It's an aim, a goal, an end to an action, the purpose for achieving something. See, this poor widow did not only understand her obligation to give, but she understood the objective in giving, the point of giving, the purpose in giving, the goal in giving. You say, what was the point? What was she trying to do? Look at it again, Luke 21, verse 2. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in hither to might, and he said, of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow, notice the words, notice what Jesus says, notice what Jesus highlights. He says, this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. Now that statement should have, anyone who heard Jesus say that, it should have thrown them for a loop. They should have said, what? What do you mean? Because here they are at their quote-unquote church service, synagogue service, making their way out the front door, everybody casting coins into probably a, some sort of a metal container, rich people dropping in all sorts of coins and all sorts of noise, clink, 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 clink. And people are like, wow, look, I mean, I'm having a special lot. Clink, 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 clink. Clink, 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 clink. Clink, 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 clink. And then a poor widow. Clink, clink. And these people would have said, that wasn't even two quarters, that was just two pennies. We, we've, we've heard this so much, we can even tell by the sound of the clink that the coins weren't even that big to begin with. This poor widow hath cast in only these two mites. And Jesus says, hold on a minute, stop, pause. Let me make a comment here. Let me explain something to you. This poor widow hath cast in more than they all. And people would say, she didn't give much. Didn't you hear the clinks? Didn't you hear the sound? Didn't you see what she put in? Didn't you see the other man with the bags and the pouring in? And oh, look, look at me and look how amazing I am. And Jesus lets us in on a little secret about God's economy, a secret that this poor widow apparently already knew. And it is this. The poor widow understood that giving in God's economy is not based on the amount, but on sacrifice. He says, this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. And everyone there would have stopped and said, what do you mean? How can that be? We can pull the coins out. We can count them. There's no way she gave more. And then Jesus explains in verse 4. He says, for all these, all these rich people, all these rich men, for all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God. But she of her punery, that word means extreme poverty, she of her punery hath cast in all the living that she had. See, this poor widow understood something that Jesus understood, and it is this, that giving in God's economy is not based on the amount that you give, but on the sacrifice. Because what Jesus understood is that when you give a large amount, when you pull out a large amount to give to God, to the church, to the work of God, and you pull it out of vast resources, that is different in God's economy than when you put out a, pull out a small amount, but you pull it out of very small resources. In fact, this woman had, so, had such small resources that she just pulled it all out. She just gave it all. And Jesus says, when you measure it by weight, when you measure it by value, when you measure it by cost, when you measure it numerically, yes, these poor, these rich men gave more than this widow, but when you measure it by sacrifice, this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. Because the poor widow understood that giving in God's economy is not based on amount, but on sacrifice. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 if you would. I ask you to keep your place there, 2 Corinthians 8. 
Remember, Paul is making the point to the Corinthian church, which are the rich men, about the churches of Macedonia who are like the poor widow. He says that out of the abundance of their poverty, they exercise great liberality. And then in verse 3, he says this, For to their power, that word power means ability, to their power, to their ability, Paul says, he's telling the church at Corinth about the church in Macedonia, for to their power I bear record. He says, and beyond their power. He says, be, they, they, beyond what they maybe, sh- what we would think they should have been able to do. So what does that little phrase, beyond their power, means? It means they stretched themselves. It means they did more than they normally could have. They did more than they normally would have. He says, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. He said, these poor Macedonians were willing to give to their power and beyond their power because they understood what the poor widow understood, which is this, that giving in God's economy is not based on amount, but on sacrifice. See, like in the synagogue, in our story, Jesus is watching as you and I give. And he sees how much, but he sees also how much it hurts. How much it inconveniences you. How much of a sacrifice it truly is. So this poor widow understood that giving in God's economy is not based on amount, but on sacrifice. And here's what this poor widow also understood, and I think it's what the churches in Macedonia understood, and it's this, that though she could not give as much as others, she could sacrifice as much as others. Notice there in verse 12, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12, notice what Paul says about the church in in Corinth. He says, For if there be first a willing mind, a willing mind meaning they're willing to sacrifice, they want to sacrifice, and by the way, let me just say this. I'm not preaching on, 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 on giving because of any other reason than it's just where we happen to find ourselves in Luke at this time. And like I said, I, I'm, I'm going to give the disclaimer that it's not something we talk a lot about, but I'm also not going to apologize for it because it's in the Word of God and we should learn it. Amen. But let me just say this. If you're offended by me preaching on giving, let me just give you this permission. Keep your money. We don't want it. God doesn't need your money. It's not about money. It's about your heart. It's about your willingness. And if you're going, the Bible says that God loveth a cheerful giver. And if you're going, well, I got got to give because pastor's preaching about it. And set up that container at the front entrance. Everybody's watching. If your attitude is wrong, hey, keep your money. My God doesn't need it. It's about willingness and about what your sacrifice shows in your heart, not to anybody, but to God. He says, for if there be first a willing mind, Paul says, it is accepted according to that. Notice what he said. It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. What is Paul referring to? Paul is referring to the fact that there are two types of people in this world. The haths, we want to use the King James verbiage, the haths and the haths not. He says, look, I realize there are the haves and the have-nots. I realize some people have more than others. I realize that it's not equally dis- uh, dispersed uh, in, in, in economy, in a church. There are some people that make more, have more, uh, have more resources for whatever reason. Maybe they're harder workers. Maybe they won the lottery. Who knows? But he realizes that they have more than other people. And Paul says, I'm not talking about uh, measuring your willingness based off what you have and what you have not. He says... It is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Verse 13. Here, here's the point that he's making. He's saying, God does not expect you to give what you don't have. God does expect you to sacrifice off of what you have. And if you happen to have more than others, then God expects you to sacrifice more than others. See, the, the, the thing is this. That when it comes to giving... Poor people tend to make the excuse to say, I don't have much, so I can't give. And the response to that, the response to that, verse 12, 
For if there be first a willing mind, if you're willing to give, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. If that's an answer to the poor man. The poor man says, I don't have enough to give. And Paul says, well, you're only expected to give not from what you don't have, but from what you have. But Paul says, here's what I know. You have something. If the poor widow had something, you have something, and there's an expectation to give. Then in verse 13, he says, for I mean not. And that now he's going to talk to the rich people. He talked to the poor people in verse 12. In verse 13, he talks to the rich people. He says, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. Said, what is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that when we come together as a church and we receive an offering, like we do every service here at Ready Baptist Church, and we should, it's, something, it's a Christian discipline, it's part of discipleship. But even when we take special offerings like our vision offering in the spring every year or this Christmas season, we're doing this special Christmas gifts for Jesus offering. What he's saying is this, that he says it's not right that someone who makes a million dollars a year gives $10,000 and we think that's a lot of that. It's really impressive. Wow. But that is, it doesn't hurt them the same as someone who makes 10000 a year. And gives $1,000 or $2,000. He says, look, I don't want equal giving. He says, I want equal sacrifice. Verse 13, for I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. Verse 14, but by an equality. See that word equality there? That now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their wants, that their abundance may also be a supply for your wants, that there may be equality. And here's what he's saying. It's not going to be equal giving. It never should be. That's why tithing, the beautiful thing about tithing, the way that God is way better at running governments than, than man is, and for sure than the U.S. government, the beautiful thing about tithing is that it's a percentage. It's a percentage of what you make. You say, I don't make much. But you only have to give 10% of, what, of that not much. And, and, and if you make a lot, you say, well, I'm expected, I have, to, I have to write this big old check. I'm expected to give a lot. Well, you make a lot. Which one would you rather have? Would you rather have the blessing of, of writing small checks because you make little or writing big checks because you make a lot? What, what he's saying is this, that though the, the poor widow understood that giving in God's economy is not based on amount but on sacrifice, and she understood this, that though she could not give as much Though the church in Macedonia may not have been able to give as much, they could sacrifice as much as anyone else. And poor people need to make sure that they sacrifice by not making excuses and saying, well, I'm poor, so I'm not going to try. And rich people need to make sure they sacrifice by not having this idea, well, I'm giving a lot, so that should be good enough. When you know that what you're giving a lot doesn't hurt you. Not really a sacrifice. It's really nothing in comparison to what you made. Go to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. The poor widow had the right obligation to give. The poor widow had a right objective in giving. Let me give you the third observation. And it is this, that the poor widow had a right outlook on giving. Not only did she have the right obligation, not only did she have the right objective, but she also had a right outlook, a right outlook on giving. The way she saw giving, the way she perceived giving, the way she understood giving, she had the right outlook. Then what was the poor widow's outlook? Well, look at Mark 12. In Mark 12, we have the same story. It's a parallel passage of the same story, Mark 12, verse 41. And Jesus sat over against the treasury. I love that. I just love how, Je- you know, I don't know. He just goes, I mean, I, I imagine he just, there's this big canister, people are, and he just pulls up a chair, and he's just sitting there, and he's watching. Really, Mr. Big Bucks, that, that's all? Everybody else is impressed, but I know how much you made last year, is what, you know. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, And many that were rich cast in much, that's expected. And there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in, notice what we're told. Notice what she threw in. She threw in two mites. 
two mites. And the Bible tells us, which makes a farthing. She threw in two mites that make a farthing. So what does that mean? Here's what it means. Not much. <laughs> she gave two mites. You say, what is that? Go to, go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 10. Now, obviously, you could open up a commentary and open up all sorts of books, and people are going to tell you the equivalent of this and that. And let me tell you something. Nobody knows. This was 2,000 years ago. It's, it's hard to really understand sometimes the economy and, and, and what the actual worth of something was. But the Bible itself gives us evidence to the fact that whatever this was, it wasn't a lot. Because in Matthew 10, 29, Jesus is talking about and teaching the disciples about how much value they have. And he says, look, my heavenly father, he takes notice when even a sparrow falls from the sky. So if, 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 he, if he notices when a sparrow dies, don't you think he knows, knows what you're going through? Is the point that Jesus is making. And in Matthew 10, 29, here's what he says. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. And one of them does not fall on the ground without your father's knowledge. Without your father in heaven being aware of it. And he says two sparrows are sold for a farthing. Now we don't know a lot about what the Bible refers to or what they refer to as sparrows in these days. We do know that it was a very inexpensive bird. Obviously that's the point that Jesus is making. It, we, 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 what we understand from historical accounts is that it was a very small bird. In fact, it was small enough to eat whole. In one bite. So you can get two sparrows for one farthing. And you have two mites make up a farthing. So a mite is less than a farthing. And a farthing gets you two pretty small and cheap sparrows. The point is this. It's not a lot. Look at Luke 12. You're there in Matthew. Go past Mark into the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Luke 12, 58. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Luke 12, 58. Here's a, I'm just making a point to you that this was not a lot of money. Here's another example where Jesus is talking to people about solving their issues before they go to the judge. Luke 12, 58. When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate, as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee that thou shalt not depart thence, Jesus is telling him, it's better to just, he, what he's saying is, it's better to settle out of court than to take your chances with a judge and then the judge come down hard on you. And this is the, the example that Jesus is giving, verse 59. I tell thee that thou shalt not depart thence till thou hast paid the very last mite. And I want you to notice, so notice he's using a mite. It seems to indicate that it's the smallest piece of money. It would be like us telling somebody, I'm going to make you pay the very last penny to the very last dime. It's a very small amount of money. In fact, the mite was probably the smallest piece of money in, 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 in their economy. Two mites made up a farthing. A farthing would purchase you two sparrows, very inexpensive birds. The point is this. This woman, go back to Mark chapter 12, verse 42, and there was a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. She didn't put much. It wasn't a lot. Financially, it wasn't a lot. So what is the point that you're making? Here's the point that I'm making. The poor widow had a right outlook on giving. Why did she have a right outlook on giving? Here's why. The poor widow understood that she didn't have much. She didn't have much to give. And she, here's what she understood. Since I don't have a lot, what's the point of keeping it? She said, I don't have a lot. These two mites is all I've got. The Bible says, Jesus says that she cast in all her living. Everything she had was those two mites. She said, all I've got is these two mites. It's not a lot. It's not going to buy me a steak. It's not going to buy me a house. It's not going to do much. It's not going to accomplish much. And here's what she understood. Since I don't have much, what's the point of keeping it? Here's what she understood. Poor widow understood that since she didn't have much, she might as well just give it all. Mark 12, 43. And he called unto him his disciples and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast, in more, hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. 
for all they did cast of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, notice, even all her living. And you say, well, Pastor Jimenez, you know, I don't understand. Are you telling us that God wants us to give it all, give it all up? I don't like these sermons on, on finances. I don't like these sermons on, on giving. Okay, well, let me explain something to you. You don't like the preaching on giving? Good. I'm not preaching about giving money. The purpose, please understand this. You say, but, but the widow, she gave it all. And Jesus highlights it and says, hey, this is good. You should do what she did. Give it all. Please understand something that God does not want your money. God wants you. He doesn't want your money. He wants your life. This is why Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present, not your wallets, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He doesn't want your money. He wants your life. Now, obviously, when you give him your life, your money will come with that because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But he doesn't want your money. He doesn't, you say, God wants all of my money. No, 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 it's worse. It's worse than that. He doesn't want all of your money. He wants all of your life. He wants all of you. He wants you to give yourself completely to God. He wants you to stop withholding. Stop saying, well, oh, well God, you can have this, but not this. You can have that, but not that. Stop negotiating and just give it all. Say, so, all oh, my paycheck? No, all of you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. William Booth was the man who started the Salvation Army. I don't know a lot about William Booth, and I'm not necessarily saying that I endorse everything about him, but I know that when the Salvation Army began, it was not what we know it as today. Today, I think it's just like a donation center or a thrift store. The Salvation Army was actually uh, an organization where he was training an army of people to go out into the highways and hedges and help people that were having issues and having problems in life and, and to get them saved and disciple them and to help them transform their lives. I don't know how accurate that is. But William Booth had a lot of success in his ministry when he began, and somebody asked him, what is the secret to your success? And he said, the secret to my success is this, that Jesus Christ has all of William Booth. Amen. And I often wonder, what would happen in a church like this, in a place like this, if a group of people decided, I'm just going to give it all to God. Say, all, all the money? I'm not talking about your money. Just, just give all of it, all of it. Your heart, your soul, your mind. Just say, God, you can have it all. No, no, no matter what you want, no matter what you ask, no matter what you, you prompt us, no matter what you tell us, no matter what your word says, no matter how hard, I'm just going to give it all. See, this widow had given it all. But there's a secret in this story as to why. Why it is that there are some people that can say, you can have it all. My mind, my soul, my heart, my treasure, my talent, you can have it all. And then there are others, and there are mostly others who say, you can have Sunday morning. You, you, you can have this and you can have that, but I'm not going to give you that and don't ask for this and this is mine, God. You say, what is the difference between the person who can throw it all in and the person who says, no, no, no I'll throw some in, but I'll keep some for myself. What is the difference? The difference is this, that this poor widow understood. I don't have much, so I might as well just give it all. You all know why some people give themselves completely to God? Is because they realize that they don't have much. <laughs> it's easy to give your life completely to God when you say, the widow, she said, there's not much I can do with these two mites. They're not gonna, it's not going to do a lot anyway. So if I can't do much with it anyway, I might as well just give it to God. Let's see what God can do. Let's see what God does with this offering. And the problem is that we as people need to understand that when we understand, when we humble ourselves to the place to realize that I don't have much to give God anyway. There's not much I can do with this anyway. Why don't I just give it to God and see what God can do? So what about the people who don't give to God? The people who don't give themselves completely to God is that they think too highly of themselves. 
This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, he says, not, not many wise men, not many mighty men, not many noble are called. You say, then who is called? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that, which are mighty and the things of the world and, uh, and the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Notice, here's the point, verse 29, that no flesh should glory in His presence. What I've learned is that people who are mightily used of God are people who have this realization that I'm not much. There's not a lot I can do anyway. There's not, there's not a lot here. It's just two mites. It's just two loaves of, of, of bread. It's just a few fishes. Let me just give it to God. And see what God can do. This poor widow understood that she didn't have much. So since she didn't have much, she might as well just give it all to God. And please understand, go, go to Romans. Romans chapter number 12. Please understand. I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about you. What are you holding back? What are you saying, God, I'll give, I'll give it all to you, but not this, not this, God, this one sin, this one... Thing, this one, this is mine, God. Say, Pastor, are you trying to push some big offering? No, I'm trying to push some big offering of you. I'm trying to get you to throw yourself in the plate. Amen. I quoted this verse for you, but I want you to see the context. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is your reasonable service to give yourself completely to God. You say, I'm going to give myself completely to God. A living sacrifice. Okay, well, once you've given yourself completely to God, remember we saw this in Luke already, at that point, once you've given everything to God, you can look up to heaven and say, we are unprofitable servants. Because it is your reasonable service. It is your reasonable service to give your life completely to God based off what God has done for us. Here's the context, and here's the problem. Verse 3, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Here's the problem. Some people just think too highly of themselves. I can do so much. I can accomplish so much. I got so much going for me. I can't give it to God. And God says, you are two mites. You are nothing. That's how you should see yourself. I'm a sinner saved by grace. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And since I don't have much, might as well just give it all to him. This poor widow had a right outlook on giving because she understood that though she did not have much, and because she did not have much, she could give what she had to God. Go back to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Let's look at the verses again. I'll make a couple applications and we'll finish up. Luke 21, 1. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in hither two mites. And he said, of a truth, I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast in unto the offerings of God, but she of her pewtery have cast in all the living that she had. Obviously, this, con this, this passage is about financial giving. And I want to encourage you, if you're not giving, if you don't have a plan set up to give purposefully, proportionally to the work of God, then you, you should. 
and you say, well, I, I, that's, that's new to me, I don't know, you know, let, let us help you ease in. There's a Christmas gift for Jesus program that we're running. And here's the thing, you're going to run around spending money anyway. You're going to run around buying a bunch of gifts for people you don't like anyway. So if you're going to buy gifts for people you don't like, why don't you buy a gift for someone you really do like? The Lord Jesus Christ. We're not asking for a lot because it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Some of these things are very inexpensive. Napkins, toilet paper, paper towels. There's some things that are a little more expensive. But these are things that the church could use on a regular basis that they're not perishable. They're not going to go to waste. And if while you're out and about, the Lord lays it on your heart to give, you could pick some of these things up and donate them. There'll be a place for you to drop them off in the main fellowship hall next week. And we can show our appreciation for the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember that he really is the reason for the season. You look at this and say, Pastor Menes, you know, the truth is that I'm one of those rich people and none of this even affects me. Well, don't let me stop you from writing a check. You can, you can write a check and put Christmas gift for Jesus or put cash in an envelope and say Christmas gift for Jesus and, and, and give. The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. But if you say, I don't know about this whole giving thing. Okay, forget about that. How about this? Cast in, forget about the money. Just cast in all your living. Say, all my money? No, 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 all of you. Give yourself completely to God. See yourself as you really should. Not think too highly of yourself. And say, God, I'm not much, but I am. I'll give it to you. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, but we thank you for this passage of Scripture. Four little verses about a widow and her mites. But there are some powerful lessons here for us. I pray you'd help us to remember them. I pray you'd help us to realize the obligation we have to giving, that no matter how rich or poor we are, we are not exempt from giving. We should participate. Help us to remember the objective in giving. It's not about the amount. It's not about equal amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. And Lord, help us to have the proper outlook towards giving. That everything I have came from you. And everything I have is really not much. So let me just go ahead and give it all back to you. And I'm not talking about people's paychecks. I'm talking about people's lives. I pray, Lord, that you would help us this Christmas season to give ourselves back to you. A reasonable service. We love you. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Matt come up and lead us in a final song. Just want to give you a couple of reminders. First of all, of course, we've been talking about the Christmas gifts for Jesus. And if you 